Welcome to the Jumping Through Hoops podcast series. I'm Hannah Charlotte. I'm a multidimensional entrepreneur, marketing, media, and mindset wizard, and mum of three. And I have set this podcast up in order to serve and support you in your journey of entrepreneurship. Enjoy. Welcome back to episode 62 of the Jumping Through Hoops podcast with myself, Hannah Charlotte. And today we are speaking with David Hurst, who is an author and well-being coach. And David is the author of 12 Steps to One Hero. And he's going to be speaking a bit about the book, what inspired him to write the book, and also some of the work that he now does with his clients. So welcome to the podcast, David. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Hannah. Thanks very much for asking me. It's a, a privilege. Brilliant. So what year did you actually write the book? Uh, I've read it recently, but I didn't actually ask you when you wrote it. <laughs> um, it was uh, March. I was in Spain at the time and it was in uh, when the lockdown was in Spain. So March, would that be 2020? When 2020, COVID first yeah. arrived in Europe. And um, it really started. There was no plan to write it. The lockdown here in Spain was really strict. Um, you could only go out to the supermarket and you'd get stopped by police then and you'd have to prove you had a shopping list or you have to have your shopping bags full and things like that. It was really strict and it was really respected. So there was a lot of time and I found myself hanging out by the fridge too much. And I had, I had something in my head basically that had to come out. And that was, I did the 12 steps as my own part of my own recovery in 2002. I finished them. I realized they could, they, they're obviously well-known for helping people with addiction problems. They were written for help uh, people addicted to alcohol in the thirties. And then they've been adapted for all addiction problems. I mean, dozens of different types of addictions from drugs to shopping, to work, to food, you know, um, relationships. Mm -hmm. And all that time since I did them, I thought I need, it would be wonderful to get these beyond the world of addiction recovery because they I know they could help everyone even people who think they're doing really fine they'll just give you a boost and they'll help you find where I think every human being should be needs to be um, for true meaning and happiness and a few years ago I heard about the hero's journey which in a nutshell is a concept coined by a, a professor of literature called Joseph Campbell who's a genius a brilliant man and he looked at all stories throughout history, um, going back to Greek myths and religious texts and legends, Norse legends and things. And he realized there was one story, one main character. He wrote a book called The Man with the, Th the Hero with a Thousand Faces. So suggesting that the, the main character, the hero is the same, but it's all presented in many different ways. So from Rocky to James Bond, to Harry Potter, to Lord of the Rings, to Star Wars, you know, and going back in history as well. And the, the, the hero's journey is normally presented in 12 stages. And someone somewhere along the lines had mentioned to me that the 12 steps take you on your own hero's journey. And that just, I, I just couldn't, that wouldn't leave me. So I started to write, I thought I had a couple of thousand words to write down. I was a, I've been a journalist most of my life. So writing is a, you know, a, a thing that I do. And, um, and it ended up just writing itself. You know, and I think books are a bit like dogs. Um, the, um, you know, they say the dog picks the owner, and I think a book 
picks the person. So it just wrote itself. And I would write enough words that I would think that's done. That, and it was just for me initially, just to get them out there. Um, and, uh, and it just wrote itself. And yeah, I would put it down, think that's done. And then I, because there was a lot of time on my hands, I would watch a YouTube video or I'd read something. I think that follows on perfectly from what I was just saying. It has to go down. So then I'd write some more. And that was it. And then, um, so yeah, it came out in, you know, I um, just put it out there really. And it, so it came out in, to answer your question, it came, I wrote it, it started it in March, 2020, finished it by April, 2020, um, and it was out yeah. there in May, 2020. Yeah, so uh, I didn't know what it was for really, when it was being written and even when it was finished. And then I realized it can be a guidebook to help mm. people through the 12 steps that can be adapted for any any problem or any situation in life even not even a problem just if someone needs a boost really you know they've, they've got a career change or there's been a, a relationship breakup or something going on you know they, they've lost someone close to them and they need a boost or they're moving countries or something but um it's yeah it's been i use it as a guidebook now in my coaching and it's worked phenomenally well really you know it's really yeah. people go through it there's a structure um and I say to people you're going to go on your own hero's journey and I think that's quite exciting for people you know recovery can seem like it's going to be a bit maybe I suppose needed but dour and if you go on your own hero's journey and you know we use lots of examples of stories how what you're doing in your recovery can be put is portrayed for example in star wars or or um you know superman film or something like that you know so yeah and it seems to be working phenomenally well i say i've had some really amazing results with it yeah so. and, and i can vouch for that i've read the book and i've worked with you as well you've coached me through some things recently and and i can definitely vouch for you know it being that's wonderful. It, wonderful to hear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you, obviously, for, for writing the book. Um, so are you happy to talk a little bit about your journey into obviously recovery and, and how you went through those 12 steps um, and came out through the other side of it? Yeah, I am. Do you know, it's funny. I always, whenever anyone asks me that, and I know it's going to go out there, I always think of my mum. She's 86 now. <laughs> and I always think, you know, I mean, there's a generation that I think doesn't, you know, the, the things were very in boxes and uh, perhaps find it hard to comprehend. And, you know, there was, there's a generation uh, or many generations, really, I think we were very lucky at the moment. People are, are talking about their emotional, mental and spiritual health. You know, I believe our ancestors did, but maybe in the last hundred years, something happened that Mm-hmm. kind of blocked me from doing that especially men you know they're, they're you know it's a joke isn't there man will drive around a town lost for five hours rather than asking for directions let alone ask for help when they're you know feeling it at, at the jumping off point you know so but thankfully it's getting much better um you know I think there's been some uh, for me a key person in that is Matt Haig the author who's written some brilliant fiction books and also non-fiction he's talked a lot about his own problems and it's and through social media it's let a lot, a lot of other people open up so anyway my one I was just um what I would say when I discovered I came to Spain I got a job at a nightclub the wages was 1,000 pesetas and eight bottles of San Miguel I hadn't really drank until then because I was a football fanatic and I was and and I ate well as well 
I reluctantly at first took the bottles, but I discovered something and it, it, it um, I guess inside I had low self-esteem or self-confidence and I discovered a couple of bottles of that. It kind of seemed to cut through it and, and I liked the feeling really. I never loved the taste especially, but I liked the feeling. Discovered other stuff that could change the way I felt bit by bit. Uh, this, this was, I mean, this was 86, 87, you know, when, when I was a young teenager, youngish teenager. And I went back to London. It had always seemed temporary because I was in Spain traveling. I went back to London. Uh, I grew up on the edge of London, but I went back to, I went into London and I thought, I don't want that to be temporary. It was really good fun going out every night and <laughs> do it. And then, um, and then the, the acid house and the rave scene came along and it transformed England and then Britain and then Europe within a couple of months. Suddenly people wanted to be up all night and going crazy, you know, and, uh, and I embraced it and I did that through the 90s. I'm a little bit like um, the hippies say about the 60s. If you can remember it, you weren't there. That's the 90s to me, the end of the 80s and the 90s. 1989, 19, 1988, 1989, 90s. I really, you know, just kind of um, parted through it. But the last few years I thought I was just a party animal. It's gone a bit wrong. Life got messy. You know, I, I don't I can't go, I don't want to go into too much detail, but it got messy. It got very, very messy. And I reached a place of real dark despair. I'm very lucky. I had a friend who had been in recovery for a year from um, all sorts of issues and he was going to 12 step meetings and he suggested I went to one just at the right time. And I went. Um, I always had a feeling of aloneness, even in a crowded room of friends. And I went and I suddenly felt a great connection. I got on with the 12 steps straight away because I saw the people in that room that were happiest and had something about them, a sparkle in their eyes, had done the 12 steps with the guidance of someone. I mean, I've heard of people trying to do them on their own, but I think you need a, a guide in the 12 step groups. It's called a sponsor, you know, but it could be a coach, therapist, mentor. That's what I think of myself now as a guide, really, you know. Um, the people I help do the stuff, I'm just a guide because I've been on that similar journey myself and I believe in them. I love them and I believe in them until they remember how to love themselves and believe in themselves again, yeah? Because I think we're all born like that and then things happen that break, shatter or crackers. And then we try and find ways to cope with that. Some people turn to drink, some people turn to work, you know, some people do, do exercise, some people do all three of those or whatever, you know? Um, we try and find ways to cope with that aching gap inside or that excruciating pain as it is often and people do the best with the information they know um, so that was it really yeah so 20 years ago I started my journey recovery I'm an all or nothing person so I went into it and that meant also I was at home a lot of the time writing I was writing uh, travel mostly health articles some music stuff as well and um, and I could listen to brilliant people while I was at home, you know, on YouTube and I read 
loads and loads and dived into it really. And a few years ago, my mentor is a is a chap called Wayne Kemp, who's been a psychotherapist for about 30 years. He's amazing. And he, he gave me some views on things that I hadn't really heard before. And uh, they made sense. And uh, we, we've become friends. And I guess, yeah, he was quite an inspiration to me. And I thought, yeah, I can, I can, um, it's difficult. I had so much, so much good information, I think. And then you read it so much despair around and uh, suffering it was impossible not to do something with it and it was getting so much for me that um, I, I was I was always getting pulled over like in the school playground oh, my brother's visiting me can you have a word with him and I would be in the corner of the playground helping someone while the kids were playing you know and it got so much in the end that I you know it just ha happened that I fell fell into it really and thought I need to do this as my job journalism is kind of a hard job to make a living from nowadays as a freelance particularly so yeah that's happened so but yeah I, in answer to your question I think I was a party animal that thought I'd gone wrong it went very wrong you know I slept in my car mm -hmm. some nights and I had a terrible relationship I was lost jobs didn't have a job relationship you know I think in the end there were two friends that stood by me and even one of them got fed up in the end you know and uh, it was just messy it was messy and I was still at it, it's all I knew what to do. And I was still trying to taste the, uh, chase the buzz of how it had been the first five or six years, which was brilliant, you know? you know. I'm not anti people partying at all, I love it, you know? But for me, it just started to go wrong. And, you know, I remember coming home at night, six in the morning with people and trying to find somewhere else to go to, you know? And they were obviously party animals and they saying, what's up with you? We've had a massive night out. You know, or this is, you know, this is the third massive night out in a row. Why do you, and I think it was, I just couldn't, I think I didn't want to be on my own really, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, so, and Joseph Campbell came up with the hero's journey concept. One of his explanations of it, he says the hero's journey is about yourself finding yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you find yourself, you're happy to be on your own you know so it's a vast difference so yeah that's it and and obviously I've been reading the book and working with you and and finding out so much um about myself as well and like and what self-love is and and unconditional love and um you know it's just been revelationary for me um so can you talk a little bit about just it briefly? I know it's quite a lot to cover, but with the 12 steps, like ultimately like sort of step one through to step 12, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I can. And the first thing that comes to mind is uh, some people in the 12 step groups are protective of the 12 steps, you know, and I understand why, you know, in the 12 step groups, you, you, help, you help someone um, for free, you know, it's, it helps you, you know, and one of the steps actually is about giving it away to keep it, you know, what you've gained. And of course it's great because it, if you help someone, it's a good feeling from inside mm -hmm. and uh, then you don't need anything from outside to try and make yourself feel good. So it's an inside job, but, but the man who wrote it, Bill Wilson, who was a failed stockbroker, really, I, I guess you'd say uh, from New York, well, he wrote, you know, the majority of them, in you know pretty soon after he wrote them he, he said along the lines of you know many people he wrote them for alcoholics he was an alcoholic 
and um, he discovered this method for for staying sober really but not only staying sober because you know staying sober means just stopping drinking well some people do that and it's it, life's a nightmare because they're not changing inside how they're responding to life they're not looking at why they were drinking addictively you know um, they're very smart people most people I know drink addictively are, well I'd say all of them are, are smart people they're thinkers that's part of the problem um, but you have to find out why you know you know, you know, you're a smart person, you know it's damaging you, you know, it's being described as suicide by instalments. So you have to find out why. But Bill Wilson said about it, he said, you know, something along the lines of that many people, non-alcoholics included, are finding that these are an effective and happy method for living. I think that was his words to describe them, which is how, how I describe them many times. So it's really hard to explain how they work. I mean, uh, they do is what you need to know, you know, they work, they really work, whatever the, the problem. Um, they really, I guess the first one starts with the words, we admitted we are powerless, we're powerless, okay? And I like it that it starts with the words we, because it's a connection. A lot of people struggling have disconnection. As I said, I felt that aloneness in a crowded room. That's what, what we call mental health conditions do. They make you feel like you're the only one, there's, there's no hope. You know, I, th I think mental health and what we call mental health conditions include an addiction because it is a mental problem, health problem. Um, they're a bit like an abuser in an abusive relationship and they want you on your own. So they tell you your friends are no good, your family's no good, and they just want you there. And, and, and then they tell you you're no good, you know, and uh, bring you down. And, uh, you know, it's a phrase in recovery. It says they, it, it will kill you, but then refuse to bury you. You know, and that's why people feel like they're, the, you know living a, a life where they're dead already you know and uh, so um the first step we admitted is basically that's the first thing you've got to admit you've got a problem before you can find a solution you know I always liken it to if you were in um if you're in London but you wanted to go to Birmingham you can't just say you know get upset about not being in Birmingham you have to realize you're in London but to get to get anywhere so um and then it goes through and basically the 12th step then, so I'm jumping, says having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And I love that wording because it's emphatic. It doesn't say you might get a little bit of a spiritual inkling. Now, it's important to say you have to do these thoroughly and honestly. Some people I know have done them, but they've not been completely honest with whoever they're, whoever's guiding them through them. And they've not been completely honest with themselves therefore. And one little thing you miss out may be the difference between them working brilliantly or not. It might be the, you know, often would be the big thing that you need to talk out, you know, talk about the big pain, shall we say, you know, and Rumi, who's quoted loads all over the place now, as he said something along the lines of, you know, the wound is where the, the, the wound is where the light can come in. Yeah. You know, so having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, then you have to say, what's a spiritual awakening? It's very hard to define. I would say it's something along the lines of when Joseph Campbell, who the originator of the hero's journey, was asked uh, by a, a journalist, define God. And he said, it's just a name. Something Again, something along the lines of his answer was, it's just a name, it's just an idea, it's just a thought, but it's to describe that which transcends thought. Mm. And I think that's what, for me, spiritual awakening it means you're in touch with your spirit you know your true self and that's in touch with some greater force or greater good in the world um higher power as it's usually called amongst the 12-step groups um 
God, you know, or I say to people, you know, I've helped atheists, loads of atheists have helped this. And I say, just use the word good instead. I helped one guy who was very anti-religion because he'd had a bad experience in, in an organized religion as a kid. Uh, and he, he was reading my book and a couple of other books I recommended would help him. And they, they mentioned God. You'll find most of the, the big thinkers around this I'm talking Carl Jung as well, and you know people like that. They will talk about spirituality and mention the word God often. It's the word we use. But I, I said, you know, so I say to people, use the word good instead if you're struggling, you know, because people have an idea of what God means from school, church, their parents maybe, and they're told what to believe in. It's not about that. It's just what is a greater force to you, yeah? Yeah. So nature, had one guy who was a Star Wars fan. He used the force, which actually is a word, a term that came from a connection with what we call God. But the guy I mentioned, he couldn't, he couldn't even bear to look at the word God, but he crossed it out. I mean, dozens of times in, in my book and other books that I'd recommended he look at. And he said, I've just replaced it with the word love with a capital L. And I said, exactly. Yeah, exactly. For me, this is all about love. And, you know, it's all about looking back. Remember recovery. And I think a lot of people even people doing this sort of stuff professionally don't remember this. This is not about helping you to survive or cope better down in a deep, dark, cold hole. That's not what we're given the gift of life for, in my humble opinion, I think. It's not even about getting to the ground level. It's about reaching where you can reach to, the Superman inside, the divine inside, the little God inside, you know, the, the, the power that we all have inside. And... Um, so it's it's phenomenal really you know and the reason a lot of people will make the effort because it takes a lot of courage and it does take effort to look take that journey inside is because they've been down in that deep dark cold hole it's what drove me i wanted to get as far away from that as i could and i got to ground level and then i saw and people told me you can actually get to the top of a mountain where the sunlight is on you all the time and the view is phenomenal and there's a box of treasure up there just for you and you can dip into it whatever happens in life you know uh good and bad things you know life on life's terms and i was driven to get away from that deep dark hole so the people who have been down there are more driven to reach it so in some ways that's why people talk about you know you need a rock bottom for this you don't need a rock bottom but it's a certainly a great incentive mm. to put the effort in you know and to have the courage find the courage to take that journey inside yourself and it takes tons of courage as buddha said you know the man can apply to woman as well of course the man who conquers himself is greater than the man who conquers a thousand armies you know it takes great courage which is weird why you know some blokes who ask for help are seen as weak because actually it's it is the most courageous thing you'll ever do to face your wounds you know face your pain um so for me it's about love yeah and we have to recover you know i'm saying the word recovery means we're recovering something you're not you're not um you're not learning how to survive. You're recovering your real self. You're finding out and becoming who you're meant to be. And we have to go back to a point for most people where your, I call it the trust of love was broken. You know, you're trusted. And then you have to go back beyond that and remember that you once had trust of love for yourself as well. Self-love, of course, because, you know, that goes back to what I'm saying. Very many, hundreds of many smart people I've known in the last two decades were putting various poisons into themselves mm. to the point that some of them died from it, you know, 
they, they're smart people. They didn't know, they, they were aware of what they were doing. Um, I had a neighbor once who drank himself to death at age 62, you know? He was a very smart man, really smart man. And um, an Oliver Reed type character, really, you know, really smart. And I said to him once, you know, you're drinking yourself to death, don't you? He said, yes. But uh, he didn't think there was a solution, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, obviously we've only got a few minutes left to record him, but I'd love to get you back on here again to talk a little bit more about the root of a lot of um, these issues that we have, you know, as as adults when we actually finally face the truths. Um, and it'll sort of, you know, we've spoken about this, how it comes back from sort of childhood um, traumas and so on. But I mean, that's a whole topic in itself, I think, you know. Um, but there is something I, I just want you to share because you said something to me the other day, um, and I can't remember it word for word, but you said about the the spirit. If if we could see our spirit, um, we wouldn't. A lot of people wouldn't be able to face that spirit, which is why we can't actually physically see it, but it's there. So obviously, I I can't remember the the wording, but if you can just quickly wrap up with that one, I really liked that. Yeah. What well, um. Yeah. What what I say is, you know the for what we call mental health conditions, and we can talk about that another time. I'd love to chat with you another time for, for your podcast is it you know it's great to be asked um but yeah it's a vast subject we could talk for weeks mm. you know so well I could and <laughs> and uh, you know it's, it, it is a massive subject and um yeah for me it's most of the research into finding solutions now is looking in the mind I think we're looking in the wrong place I think these problems start in our spirit first. It's our spirit that tells us if we're happy or sad. I mentioned to you a few times, I've sat next to international rock stars mm-hmm. who are struggling, okay? They've got all the money in the world, all the adoration, they're doing something they love. Um, and yet there's something inside saying, this, is, this isn't right, you know, mm-hmm. they're so in despair. So for me, it's your spirit, yeah? But we can't see it. So scientists don't even know where to start looking and the reason I don't think we can see it is we're designed that way you know I think we're made that way and the word I use is we would crumple if we could ever see it because we would realize I think how big we are and how small we are you know how mammoth we are how powerful we are how divine we are but also how little we are in the scheme of everything yeah and I liken it to the sun we all know the sun keeps us alive but we can't look at it without going blind and we couldn't get too close to it without being burnt to a frazzle, you know. And again, I think it's designed that way because, well, I mean, I, I you know, shudder to think if mankind could get too close to the sun, what might go on? So, you know, there's a greater power there, really. You know, we, we, we you know, someone who was evil can't get to the sun. Imagine if they could, you know. And uh, so I think it's all been designed cleverly that way. Same with our spirit. The, the, what goes, what causes what we call mental health conditions, I think is the spirit is crying out. There's something wrong there. It affects our emotions and our thinking, which is our mental health, you know? And finally it will affect us physically. Mm. You know, and you've got a lot of people talking about that. Now we talk about Gabal Mate and Bessel van der Kolk who've written books around it. Joe Dispenza talking about, you know, again, for me, it's a coming back. I think our ancestors perhaps till about a hundred years ago, and you can look at old literature, um, Shakespeare in, in Macbeth talks about it, you know, when the, the, 
the doctor's called and he says, no, you need the divine. You know, I can't remember the quote, it's a famous quote, you don't need me, you need the divine, you know? So I think that's how it goes wrong. Spirit in many people, there are some illnesses that are genetic, mm. purely physical, maybe, you know, probably I think there are, but something goes wrong in our spirit. Then our thinking and our emotions go wrong. And then physically, we're obviously, we're not going to be working as well. And physically, we, we can get ill because remember the body, the human, humans are supposed to be well, physically, spiritually, and mentally, you know, we're made that way, which is why when you get a cut on your arm, it will heal. We don't mm -hmm. have to do much, really. It's a little cut, you might stick a plaster on it, but the kind of this greater force or whatever it is does the rest. And suddenly, yeah. a week later, you can't even see where this cut was, you know, so. Um, uh, but the way to cure that, I think, is not to, to deal with the physical and then not to go in revert. It's to, it's to fix the spiritual, yeah, fix the spirit. And then the mind and the emotions will change, you know, as you're experiencing when your spirit starts to, when you get in tune with your spirit more and you return to your spirit, if you want, um, then your thinking gets better and your emotions will therefore get better. And then physically you're healthier, you know. So one of the problems, I think, in the modern world is we only fix the physical. Mm. Medicine is brilliant. Docs and nurses are wonderful. My mum was a nurse for 40 odd years on the NHS. You know, they're brilliant. But if you just fix the physical, often these things come back or something similar comes back, you know. So, you know, if you're rubbing cream on psoriasis, for example, it can make it, it can help it a lot. But if you're not dealing with perhaps why you've got psoriasis, and there's one theory that psoriasis can be something going on inside you and it's kind of screaming to get out and saying you yeah. you're not going to forget about me you know this there's me inside and I'm in pain and and it comes out that way that's one theory on it you know so I think it's like Gabo Mate says who you know Dr Gabo Mate Canadian Hungarian was a was a, a doctor physician he says you know if something again I paraphrase when people go to the doctors with a physical problem, they should really be asking, saying, tell me about your childhood, yeah? Or in answer to your question about, or your, your, what you were saying about childhood is, everyone I've ever helped, it goes back to childhood. It's not always obvious, but when you know where to shine the light into dark corners, you find things. And then there's what in, in psycho psychology speak is called idealization, when people, they know something's bad, but they bury it so far away that they will always say, oh, he was a wonderful man. He was a wonderful man. You're talking about a teacher or a dad or, or some, you know, something like that. When you sort of chat a bit, you find out maybe there was something that was very not wonderful. Yeah. And it's had a very negative impact. But I think, I think some people, so for most people, I think we have to look at childhood, you know, when we're being taught about love and we need to feel love by these godlike figures that are our parents and other key caregivers and if you're not and often people are shown the opposite really what i'd call non-love you know if they're abused or screamed at or never looked at with gentle eyes you know uh, and as a child you're left thinking why is that it must be something up with me you know mm -hmm. child never stops loving their parents but will stop loving themselves yeah it's really sad yeah. you know um some people that i think can come from a really beautiful brilliant loving childhood and then a trauma happens in later life that obviously is going to have a devastating effect on them you know that maybe they're in an accident and they see something or mm. someone died in a it was a car accident someone died in another car and that's obviously going to have a really hard effect on people but certainly I think for most people with 
what we call the mental health conditions, anxiety, depression, stress, and various disorders and addictions, it, we need to have a look back and we need to go back and recover. Yeah, it just is, is hard in itself, isn't it? To, you know, a lot of people want to sort of put that away and they want to look at that. It's, it's painful to face, but necessary. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's, it gets harder if you don't, you know? I mean, all of these mental health conditions and addictions, they, they nearly always get progressively worse. Yeah. The good news for anyone who takes that journey inside and looks at themselves and looks at all of this is recovery gets progressively better. I'm living proof, you know, it's just life is, um, yeah, life just gets progressively better. It's not to say things won't happen, but you know how to handle, you know how to deal with it. My 20 years has been a lot, of, you know, it's been a lot more what you'd call hardships than there was in any other period of my life, you know. Um, mm including loss of parent and uh, lots of other stuff lost you know yeah yeah lots, lots of things but you 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 can deal with them but in general I think a big thing about this is you learn to live through love not fear and people won't know that they're living in fear until they start to look at it you know mm -hmm. when you learn to live in love you you do things you know you do things and and life just seems a lot easier it is a lot easier you know joseph campbell said follow your bliss and doors will open where there used to be walls you know yeah. and i think when you go with your spirit the doors open and you're doing the right stuff you're on the right journey for you um and you know it and and, it, and it's just a wonderful feeling i think it's what everyone's craving and people we live in a culture that tells us money and material things will get that for you we know it doesn't but we still go after it it's not to say you can't have this and have those but you know they're not the thing you know and yeah. then they become less important you know they become less important which is why you've got multi-millionaires who are always worried about losing their money because they're trying to use them to to fill themselves yeah you know, the money and the material things and the status it can give you to fill themselves and it's not like that it's an inside job you know so yeah definitely. yeah so wow this is been amazing talking to you and I, I would definitely love to get you back on here because as you say I think we could talk more and more and more about the topics of um you know like generational trauma and so on I think there's so much here that we can cover so I'd love to get you back on but I know we have to wrap it up for this episode and um, what I'm gonna do is share the link to your book so if anyone wants to find out you can buy it on an Amazon I think it is isn't it it's available yeah. on Amazon yeah and so, I've got a website David hyphenhurst.com got some articles on that some people might find useful if you want to get in touch with me it's got uh, brief details because i've written some other books as well it's got brief details about them and where to get them and a bit more about coaching and you know how this can help you yeah and, um, but i mean i would say in, yeah i'd love to come back thank you for asking me uh you're brilliant and you're doing brilliantly and you've got a really good you got an understanding of the essence of this, which is wonderful, you know, the, the true essence. Um, but for anyone, you know, whether it was, if you're struggling or suffering, really reach out, really reach out. You know, all the heroes' journey stories have a mentor in, you yeah. know. Um, and the reason is, I think that we all need some sort of guide, you know, we all do. And remember, it helps the guide as well, because it's nice to feel that you're in a position where you can help people, you know. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah reach out you know um 
to someone, I would always say to someone who looks like they've, they've got, they know, you know, they're on their right journey. They're, mm. they're in, you know, that they're on their right road, you know, reach yeah. out to someone who seems that and ask them for help. And I did it, you know, at the start of 2002, January, about January the 25th, 2002, it's the best thing I ever did. You know, I have a really nice life now. I have two wonderful little boys and, you know, and a, and a great family and lovely wife. And it's just, yeah, it's good. You know, life's, life's lovely. And we've traveled tons, you know, there's no fear. We went around 13 countries in a motorhome when the boys were age four and five and we had a crazy collie dog and there was no fear in it. It was just like, let's do it, you know? And, and it was great. It was wonderful. And yeah, so yeah. I, if anyone asks for help, there's always a solution. And I say that whenever I write that, I usually put always in italics or capital letters. It always is, you know, people have come to me with real problems, but there's always a solution, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for joining us. As I say, I'm going to put all of the links to your website um, and where people can, can buy your book um, and find out about your work if they want to work with you. Uh, it will be in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining us, David. Thank you, Hannah. Have a brilliant rest of the day and love yeah. to you and everyone listening. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me today. I do hope my information has been useful in some way. Now, if you have enjoyed listening, then I would really appreciate if you leave me a review over on iTunes or any other platform that you are listening from. Thank you.